tonight. I want to just share three things of the indescribable gift that is Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe you've celebrated Christmas for years. Maybe you've been to the, the shops. You might have been to some carol services. You might have even been to church like this, but haven't really fully experienced what Christmas is supposed to be like. Because Christmas, although it's about food, yes, come on, the ham, it'll be awesome. Although it's about gifts, yes, it'll be fantastic. Although it's about family and hanging out together and that's such an important part of Christmas. And it's also about the Boxing Day Test Cricket. We all know that, where we just get to sit in front of the TV. It's, it's awesome. Although it's all of those things, at the core of Christianity is a celebration of the life of Jesus Christ. He is the indescribable gift. He is the one who became one of us. And I love this story that I shared this morning about a man who would only, uh, on Christmas Eve, send his family off to church in, a, in the Northern Hemisphere, in a very cold climate. And he would send his family off to church. His wife would go and his children. And he would sit at home, warm beside the fireplace, and he'd read the paper. He wasn't an evil man, he was a good man, but he just couldn't bring himself to believe in the childhood stories that he used to believe about God coming as a baby in a manger. As the family left for church, he opened up the evening paper, began to read by the fireplace, but suddenly he began to hear the sound of a, a tapping on the window, a banging on the window, and he looked and it was a small bird, obviously cold, trying to get inside to the warmth of inside, attracted to the light. The man had compassion on the bird and he went outside, hoping to bring it in. As he approached the bird, the bird just flew against the window even harder. Pretty soon the bird flew into the bushes below the window, half frozen, yet too afraid to be caught by this huge man. The more the man tried to reach for the bird, the more the bird flew frantically into the snow and thorns of the bushes. After a few minutes in the, getting really cold and seeing the bird was just continuing to injure itself, although it would have been better inside, he, be, he yelled out in frustration, can't you just understand that I'm only trying to help? The man paused and thought, how can I get the message to the bird that I'm only trying to help? How can I get it to understand me and that I only want the best for me? And then he thought to himself, maybe if only I could just become a bird and I could communicate to it in a language that it would understand, it would understand the good that I have planned for it. As he thought that thought, he heard the church bells ring and he fell to his knees and realized in that very moment that that is the message of Christmas, that God loves us, that he's got this wonderful place for us of fellowship, of love and acceptance from him, but he had to find a way to help us understand. And the, the ultimate act of love is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the story of God stripping off the deity, stripping off His heavenly nature and coming one of us as a baby born in the most humble ways to a virgin Mary. We celebrate that that was God's incredible love for us and the indescribable gift that Jesus brings. And as my wife Danielle said, they are the gifts that keep on giving. The gift of Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And there are multiple aspects of what it is to me to know and connect with Jesus. And I want to share three of them tonight really quickly. The first is this, that Jesus came to give us love and acceptance. The second is this, that Jesus has come to heal us 
from the pain that we have. And the third is that Jesus comes to give us the power to change, the power to change. First part of the gift of Christ is love and acceptance. Many people have a misconception about God and who He is. A small boy was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents that he so badly wanted. And he, wrote, he began to write and he said, I've been good for six months now. But his conscience awakened him and he crossed out the six months and said, well, actually three months. I've been good for three months. After he paused a little bit more, he's like, mm, okay, two weeks. I've been good for two weeks. And then he began to think and he's like, he's just thinking, I'm, Nah, okay. So he walked out into the lounge room where the nativity scene was and Joseph and Mary and little baby Jesus. And he grabs Mary, wraps her in a cloth, takes her to his bedroom, throws her in the cupboard and starts to write the letter again. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you will answer and give me these gifts. I don't know if you've ever thought that, that, that when, when God's looking at you a little bit, you think of this, the, I call it the Santa Claus image of God. One, I just pray and I ask God for what I need. And if I don't get it, I ignore Him. And two, I don't really ask because I haven't been nice. I've been naughty. And many of us see God through this image of, I don't measure up. I'm not quite good enough. And many of us, because of religion, because of, of, of experience, because of uh, things that we've heard or been told, have this concept that God is all about if you measure up, then you can be accepted. If you're good enough, then I'll accept you. And therefore, uh, many people have the wrong image of Christianity that it's a, it's a religion about rules and doing all these things to somehow earn God's love and acceptance. But Jesus Christ come, came to show us exactly what God thinks about us. That he, it's not about measuring up. None of us can measure up. Bible tells us very clearly, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. You don't measure up and I don't measure up. And in my own ability, none of us will measure up. That's why God came down in Jesus so that through His life, we could be acceptable to God. Colossians 1 verse 15 says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. If I could rewire, Jesus came to be the, to show us what God's really like. To show us how loving, how caring. He healed people, left, right and centre. He, he helped people. He did the best for people. He, he changed the perception that people had of God. And if I, could, if I could, one of my prayers that I would pray for you tonight, if you have the conception that God is angry at you, that He's harsh and He's looking down at you, and he's, it's a little bit like, you know, that, that, that cruel kid who pulls the wings off the fly, and that's just God's what doing with, is, is what God's doing with your life. He just, he's trying to mess it up. He's not trying to mess it up. He loves you exactly how you are. In fact, He knows that the only way that you can have a relationship with Him is by being holy, and He knows that none of us can be holy enough. That's why Jesus came, so we, we could be forgiven. I think probably one of the best ways for me to explain what that love looks like, the, the, the love that God has, I, it would be a moment as a pastor I've got over the years to do lots of weddings. 
or even going to a wedding. And I'm a bit of an emotional mess at a wedding I just, when, I, when I just see it. And you know what, what it's like to stand in the congregation and, and the, the doors are about to open or the bride's about to walk in and the groom's pretty nervous, but he's waiting and he's watching and he's looking. And then when, when his bride begins to walk down the aisle, just a big smile comes across his face and you can see this, this, uh, this focus, this attention. I remember Josh and Jekina's wedding. It messed me up. I was doing the wedding. And Josh was, Josh was standing there all nervous and, and all, you know, all excited and nervous. And it, this was a particular church where the back doors were, were closed. It was a small church. So it wasn't like you could see her out there. And then so all the bridesmaids came in and the door was closed and the tension was in the room. And, and, every, and, and, and then suddenly, bam, the doors swing open. And there's Shekinah looking glorious in her white veil on her dad's arm. And he just, he, I went to tears. And he went to tears. Everyone. It was just like, wow. And when I think about that love in that moment or Shekinah's dad looking at her on his, on, on his arm, I think that's, that's just a small taste of God's love for you. That's just a small, who, who, where did that love come from? It came from God. That love in your heart and in my heart, that the best moments we experience, it came from the very nature of God. We're made in His image and the Bible tells us He loves us. And if I could rewrite any misconception you have about God today, I would write on you, I would write for you this, that God's love for you and for me, it's the main story. It's the main message of Christianity. It's the main message of the church. That God, you know what? God's not like, oh, you only came to church once this whole year. He's like, you came to church once. That's awesome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being in my house. I love you. He's not keeping frequent flyer points of your, of your charity deeds and your church attendance. He loves you exactly the way you are. And Jesus came to show you that love. You see, the great thing about God is He's not distant, He's not disconnected, but He knows your name. The Bible tells us that His thoughts towards you and I are more numerous than the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of sand. And God's thoughts towards you, they're good thoughts. They're great thoughts. He loves you. He's wired you to be in relationship with Him. He thinks about you all the time. He knows your story. He knows your dreams. He knows your fears. He knows the things that, that are messing you, with your head right now. And He wants to be involved in your life. He loves you. That's the first thing I want us to know. The gift of God is complete love and acceptance. The second thing that I want you to know that is the gift of Jesus Christ, the indescribable gift, is that God doesn't just love us the way that we are and leave us that way. In fact, I've heard it said like this, God loves you exactly like you are but He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Often people will say, oh, gee whiz, uh, I don't really want to go to church. So I'll just try and brainwash you. I don't know, have you, have you heard anyone say that? I'll just try and brainwash you. My answer to that, if we could put my thoughts up on the screen, you would realize that I need brainwashing. Now, don't go judging me right now because I know some of you are exactly the, Just imagine if we like your week's thoughts, we're just going to play them here for everybody. to. You'll be running out of this place faster than anybody could. That's because we all have these insecurities. We all have these, these, uh, these proud thoughts, these lustful thoughts, all of these things that go on in our mind. We need God to come 
and change and, and rewire us and rechange us to be the way we were created to be. Not selfish, not self-focused, but others-focused. Not, not insecure and anxious, but confident and bold, like children loved by their father. We, he wants to change us, and that's why he doesn't want to leave us the way we are. I've written it like this, that Jesus came to give us healing from our pain. Healing from our pain. In 2019, there was 3,300 suicide deaths recorded in Australia. Uh, more than 65,000 attempts at suicide. We're a nation where pain is real for many people. And if it's not as bad as to want to take our life, then the majority of people have got some level of pain going on. And we can become experts at projecting an image and masking our pain. Projecting an image and masking our pain, particularly guys. It's a challenge for men to learn to be real and find a safe place to talk through our stuff. But it's a challenge for all of us. And Jesus came, the Bible said, He, he has a, a job description that was written in the book of Isaiah chapter 61. And he, he pronounced this job description when He first began to preach to everybody as a 30-year-old in a synagogue. And He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Just if you go to a church and it's just bad news, probably not the sort of church that represents Jesus because He comes to preach good news, good news. That's why, we're, we're, you know, we, people are like, oh, are you one of those happy, clappy churches? I'm like, well, if the alternative is the sad, cranky churches, yes, we're one of the happy, clappy churches because there's good news, good news. That's, that's, anyway, just get off my hobby horse. Keep going, pastor. Stay focused. He said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. In this room, there would be significant levels of pain in many people. From trauma, betrayal, abuse, loss, grief, sickness, financial stress breakdown of relationship, unfulfilled goals, dreams, all sorts of disappointments that often cause us to be brokenhearted. And when Jesus came, He said, one of the reasons I've come is to heal up broken hearts, to find a way to get pain out. We can ignore it, we can deny it, we can complain about it. We can pretend it's not there. We can escape from it. We can find ourselves in negative, addictive patterns, lifestyles like Liam was sharing about earlier. So often to try and find ourselves or to, to deal with some of the disappointments or insecurities that we've got going on on the inside only to realize it just ends up leaving us empty. And Jesus came to help us, to change us. He didn't come just to do it from a distance. He came to identify with your pain and my pain. You name any kind of human pain and Jesus walked through it. He was betrayed by friends, rejected by those He came to help. 
He was tortured and abused. He was publicly humiliated. He was forsaken and rejected by his heavenly father. He was brought up in a community that, that uh, abused him or, or paid out on him because his, he, he was, uh, his father and mother weren't married when he was born. All sorts of things Jesus walked through. The Bible says so that you and I could have an advocate, someone in heaven who gets your pain and gets my pain. Isaiah chapter 53 says this. It's a prophecy about Jesus. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way and he was despised and we did not care. He was acquainted with deepest grief. You name it, Jesus has walked through it. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. That's what they thought. But, but they were actually a punishment. And we thought they were a punishment for his own sins, but they were actually a punishment for our sins. Jesus took our sin when he went to the cross, but he also took our pain. One of the greatest things that I see week in, week out, as people make the connection with God, I see the transformation that happens as pain begins to be washed out. God's love gets poured in, pain begins to get washed out. God's love comes through all sorts of different ways. As people learn to pray and talk to God, God's love begins to fill us and pain gets washed out. We begin, we begin to know God's family, God's people, and get accepted and loved and able to talk about our stuff and God's love fills us and He heals us. The third thing I want to talk about is this, quite simply, is that He doesn't just heal us from our pain. He gives us the power to change. He gives us the power to change. This year, uh, Danielle got into butterflies. She became a butterfly breeder. Uh, we, we discovered all sorts of things about butterflies. This, the, the fact that butterflies grow on a particular host plant. When, we don't like sweet potatoes, but we've got so many sweet potatoes in our garden. We found out the particular butterfly that loves sweet potato leaves. So suddenly it worked for us. And, and so she began to breed these, uh, breed these butterflies and they'll start out as little ugly caterpillars, just a little science lesson from someone who's not good at science. And they will shed their skin five, five times, right? They'll shed their skin five times as they're devouring plants. And then the, the final skin that they shed uh, and, and that they're left with ultimately uh, becomes a chrysalis. How am I going, babe? Okay, good. Becomes a chrysalis. And in the next two weeks, while the chrysalis is going through its process of what's called metamorphosis, the, the, the actual butterfly... Uh, sorry, the actual caterpillar dissolves, it liquefies. So it goes from being this caterpillar to a liquid mess inside the chrysalis. Obviously the DNA was there and then it, it, miraculously it comes out of the, the chrysalis and part of its process, don't, if you ever see one trying to get out, don't let it out because if you let it out, it's actually the getting out that gives it the strength to, become, to be able to fly. So there's a whole other message there. I won't go there right now. Sometimes, anyway. So this amazing thing happens where it goes from one kind of creation to another kind of creation. It would seem to me that it's one of God's natural signs about what happens when a person becomes a Christian. 
The Bible uses the same word, that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it comes from the Greek word metamorphosis, same, same thing. It's the same concept that transformation happens in the life of a human being through connection with God. And so often people will say, oh, I couldn't be a Christian because I just, I couldn't be that straight. I couldn't be that good. I couldn't be that well-behaved. But here's the amazing thing that happens, and Jesus talked about it. He, he told a religious leader this. He said, unless you're born again, unless you have a spiritual rebirth, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And the, and the guy said, how can I have a spiritual rebirth? Can I go back to my mother's womb and be born again? He said, no. It's a work of God's Holy Spirit. And if you let God's Holy Spirit come into your life, what actually happens is you become a spiritual new creation. You're not, you're not the same old... He's in one moment when a person puts their faith in Jesus, in one moment when a person surrenders to God and accepts the sacrifice that He made on the cross, in one moment metamorphosis happens and a person goes from being a, a person separated from God and suddenly a spiritual rebirth occurs and you become not just the old you trying to be a better version of you with a little bit of motivational talking from the pulpit every now and then, but what actually happens is you become a spiritual new creation, brand new, born again. That's why, that's why people will go, ah, have you seen Harry? Harry became one of those born agains. He's crazy. Won't last though. It's just, it's just a fad. Five years later, Harry's on fire. His life's changed. Why? Because it wasn't just a, I'm going to go to church and dress up and wear the same clothes and the same smile as everybody else and wear the, the, you know, the, the, the rolled up jeans and the, and the white shirt, or the white shoes and try and fit in. And that, that will, it wasn't external. It was an internal change. The greatest miracle that there could ever be because Harry or Shorty or Rod, or Sandra, or whoever it was, made the decision, I'm, I can't change in my own ability. I'm going to surrender to God and become a spiritual new creation. And then He gives you the power to change. I've watched so many times people who in all of their willpower could not change, but in one instant make a connection with God, become spiritually born again, and everything has changed. Now, some things immediately and other things over a period of time as the connection, as the relationship begins. So this is what I'd love to do for us tonight as we come to a close. I want to pray for us. And I'm going to ask that God will speak to every heart in this place, that we'll go out of this place uh, different tonight, connected to God. I, I'm particularly, uh, I'm going to have a, a moment where very soon I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And we do this in every one of our services. And in that moment, as I lead us in a prayer, it's a prayer of asking God for forgiveness for our sin. Remember what we said, all of us have sinned. None of us measure up. That's why Jesus came, because He can make us measure up through His forgiveness. And when we, when we pray that, we're going to ask that God's Holy Spirit will come and live inside of us and the greatest miracle would happen. And I'm wondering, as we do that, can we close our eyes? Father, I just thank you for every person here. You do know every story. You do know every person. You do know every circumstance. You know all the pain. And tonight you want to bring healing, freedom, 
through your love. I feel like there's a person here tonight and you're not connected to God. You're not in a relationship with God and you, you, you've been having panic attacks. And you've just been trying to find a way out of that pain, that problem. And I want to tell you tonight that God will be your answer if you'll turn towards Him. That's just one particular person. While our eyes are closed, in a moment I'm going to ask if you're here tonight and you aren't a Christian and you'd like to become one, in a moment I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand for me. And I'll just say, I see your hand and you can put it back down and then I'm going to lead us all together in a prayer. I want you to know what's about to happen. And when I lead us all together in a prayer, for those of you who raise your hand, it will be a powerful moment if you pray with all your heart to connect with God. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you went to Sunday school. Maybe you went to church or a youth group. And you found that you've drifted away from God. Well, tonight's the night to get back right connected with Him. You can feel that the joy that you once had, the, just exactly like Liam talked about, that happy, loving 16-year-old, whatever it is for you, there was a stage, if you actually pause and think about it, there was a stage where there was a, a peace and a fulfillment in your heart and you were, you were right with God. But you've drifted. Not intentionally. Maybe you got caught up in some stuff. Maybe you just got bored. Maybe you just got disconnected. Maybe something went down. But you've drifted away from God and He's not number one. He's not the center anymore. Tonight, if that's you, in a moment, I want you to raise your hand and say, John, I want to come back to God tonight. I want to get right with Him tonight. You might be here tonight and you've never actually connected with God. You've never prayed a prayer asking for His forgiveness. You've never opened up your heart to Him to receive His love. Tonight it would be my greatest privilege to lead you in a prayer, connecting to God, a God who's not judging you according to your past, your mistakes, your stuff. He doesn't see you as a person on the outside, on the outer. He sees you as someone that He absolutely loves. That's why He sent Jesus. And He won't, barge into your life and make you surrender. He's given you the freedom of choice. You have to surrender yourself. He loves you. And tonight, for some people here, is gonna be a wonderful night of making that connection with God, having that spiritual rebirth I'm talking about where God changes you because you open up your heart to Him. Or maybe you're here and you're just not sure if when you die, you're gonna to go to heaven. You believe God's real. You're a pretty good person. And you're hoping that your good will outweigh the bad. I want to tell you tonight, it's great that you believe that God's real. And it's great that you try to be good. But the Bible tells us that the devil believes that God's real and that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So there's nothing we can do that gets us right except put our faith in the indescribable gift that Jesus offers of salvation. And so if you're uncertain in your heart that you'll spend eternity with Him and you want to be sure tonight, I want you also to raise your hand in a moment. 
So I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I count to three, if you're saying, John, I'm in one of those three categories. One, I want a relationship with God. Something's missing in my life. I want to become a Christian. I want you to raise your hand in a moment. Two, the second category is that you once walked with God, but you've drifted away from Him. You want to come back. I want you to raise your hand in a moment. The third category is you just want to be sure you're going to heaven. So are we ready to go? One, I want you to just lift your hand with courage. Your life could change in this moment. Two, Three, would you just raise your hand up if that's you right now? That's awesome, man. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else right now? You're saying, that's me as well. I want to connect with God tonight. I want to get right with God tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand as well? You say, yes, I need something's missing in my heart. Something's missing in my life. And you'll feel God tugging on your heart tonight. There'll be a, a sense that tonight's the right night for you. I'm praying for you. We're praying for you. Christians in this room are praying that tonight would be a night that you'd surrender to God. Stop fighting Him and surrender to Him. So look around the room. I'm wondering. We're going to pray together in a moment. And I'd love you to surrender to God. You'll find what happens is that God doesn't talk to our head. He talks to our heart. Now, our head moves fast, but our heart moves slow. And so often we've hardened our heart or we've just put up barriers and walls, but God wants to break those walls down with His love. His great plans for you. So one more time as I look across the room, if this is you, tonight's your night. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, John, would you include me in this prayer? As when we pray, I want to connect with God. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Fantastic. Let's pray together, everybody. And those the ones who raised your hand, I want you to pray from your heart to God right now. Let's say these words. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin. I'm sorry for living my way. I'm turning to you tonight to follow you with all my heart. I renounce the devil and all His works. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank You tonight. I'm forgiven, born again, going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Fantastic. God bless you. Wonderful. For those of you who in the recent times have become a Christian, or have done tonight for those of you who are maybe wanting to explore what it would mean to be a Christian, because for many of us, it's a, it's a journey of connection to God. I want to just encourage you in two things. First thing is just keep coming to church. We're a family here, and this is a place where we build and strengthen our relationship with God. We're here to help one another. We need, we're better together. And the second thing is, I'd love to encourage you to do a course called Alpha. It's a six-week course. Uh, the ambassador globally is Bear Grylls, the adventurer. And it's just a course about who Jesus is, about the Bible, and, and the, some of the questions that many of us have about the Bible. You watch a little video, you eat some food with a group of people and just discuss and ask questions and, and answer questions and share your thoughts about things. And it's a great way to really go deeper with God and to answer your questions. So we love you guys. Merry Christmas. Back to you, Mr. Sam Byrne.